Would you join me in John chapter 21 and verses 15 through 19? We're going to look at a message today uh, entitled, A Higher Call. Last Sunday, we uh, had the climactic offering uh, of uh, just the conclusion to the road to redemption. And we saw that Jesus Christ and the glorious resurrection was raised from the dead. And we saw that he literally, the power of God was on full display the day when Jesus rose from the dead. But I want you to know that, that the redemption didn't stop there. As a matter of fact, he just paved the way for redemption. And we are the recipients of it today. And that is, that is so encouraging. I want you to know that I, I'm so just so uh, excited about what God has offered us through His death, His burial, and His resurrection because we are the object that He wants to redeem. You and I, we have this privilege, this opportunity to be redeemed by the blood of the Lamb to be able to uh, say 10,000 years from now, I'll still be with Him. We'll still be able to, to sing His praise. And I want you to know that as we, co uh, excuse, we continue today, we are able to say with boldness and with confidence, Jesus is alive. And as a result of that, we have power with ability to see God do tremendous things in lives today. And so after that dramatic display of God's power over death on the, uh, on the cross and over the grave last week, I want to take time, though, and reflect upon our own uh, life and the effects of redemption in it. And so we're going to look at a bumbling, brash fisherman today. We're going to look at a man who was uh, oftentimes proud, oftentimes boastful, oftentimes just like me and you. And, you know, when we think about Peter and, and we think about uh, some of the great things, and truly God used Peter in tremendous ways. He was the only disciple to walk on water. He was the only disciple to preach uh, that day at Pentecost and see 3,000 people saved that day. He was a man that God used in a tremendous way in his epistles that he wrote later in his life are just tremendous examples for us today that we still study and we still glean. Many times that I've read through them, I've studied them, and I've examined the truths therein, and I never feel like I've delved the depths of Peter's writings through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And so though we look at Peter's life and we look at it, maybe we scoff. Maybe we say, well, he's rejected Christ. Maybe we looked at his life and we see, man, this, this guy, he's such a, a bumbling uh, bumpkin. We look at him and we see oftentimes ourselves. I want to think that I'm like a Paul, but the reality is maybe I'm not even a Peter. I want you to look with me in John chapter 21. Here we come to the account in John 21 and we see a powerful moment in Peter's life. And it's at such a moment that his life is truly transformed by Jesus Christ. And before this point, he was full of pride. Before this point, he was full of arrogance and boastfulness. And before this point, he was full of himself. But at this point, he has been emptied completely. And that's when Christ, Christ can come in and do something tremendous with his life. I want you to look with me at John chapter 21, because we see that when Peter's pride gave out, God begins to do something tremendous. John 21 and verse number 15 it says, so when they had dined, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? And he saith unto him, yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. And he saith unto him, feed my lambs. He said to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? And he said unto him, yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. And he said unto him, feed my sheep. And he said unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. 
thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, Feed my sheep. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, When thou wast young, thou girdest thyself, and walkest whither thou wouldest. But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thine hands, and another shall gird thee, and carry thee whither thou wouldest not. This spake he, signifying by what death he should glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said unto him, Follow me. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this powerful moment. Lord, how that you could take just a, a man like Peter, a man who oftentimes was bold and brash and, Lord, prideful, a man who was full of self. God, you emptied him. And then you filled him full of your spirit in such a way that, Lord, he could do tremendous things for you. God, when we find ourselves in this place, may we be willing to come face to face with Jesus and answer this question, lovest thou me? God, may you use this time of reflection on your word. May you use the message and the sermon, Lord, that our lives might be forever changed as we answer that question, lovest thou me? We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Even a brief look at Scripture, even this, this portion of Scripture, reveals that this was a pivotal moment in Peter's life. If you consider with me, uh, there was many times when God meets with us. And it's not in the moments that, that things are uh, spectacular, not in those moments when big things are happening, but, in, in, but instead it's oftentimes in that moment, in that time of stillness, in that time of sweet peace, that God comes and He speaks to our life in that still, small voice. And it's in those moments where we hear Him say, peace be still, in those moments of torment. It's in those moments that He says, neither do I condemn thee, go and sin no more. It's in those moments that He whispers, go into all the world and preach the gospel. You see, as we think about the Word of God and we think about God's involvement in our life, we realize that in Peter's life, this was not one of those big moments. It wasn't the feeding of the 5,000. It wasn't the, the resurrection of Jesus when, when God reminds him of his redemption. It was this moment, this moment beside a seashore, this moment after Christ had just said, come and dine. And it was this moment when they're there uh, with, with a few of the other disciples and they had just finished fishing and they had just received this big catch and Jesus reminds him of the glorious redemption that he offers to him in his life. Peter, full of humility, full of a, a moment when he remembered uh, all that he wasn't, that Christ comes to him and asks him, do you love me? I want to remind you that here it is when Christ meets him. It's here that Christ offers Peter a higher call. It's this, it's this call to purpose that, that Christ offers him. And see, when Christ first called Peter to be a disciple, he told him this in Matthew chapter 4 and verse number 19. He said, and he saith unto them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Consider this, that it was after uh, Peter had just made a big catch through a miracle of Christ. It was after he had just got off a boat, boat that Christ came to him and said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And it's here, and I think it's very poignant that instead of fishing for men, we find Peter back fishing for fish again, back doing what he wanted to do. If you look in uh, 
uh, John chapter 21 and verse number 3, it says, Simon Peter saith unto them, I go a fishing. He was out on the water, and, and he had toiled, and he had fished all night with no success, and Peter uh, saw Jesus on the shore, and Jesus said, have you got any fish? Jesus knew they didn't have any fish. And it was here that restoration was offered. Aren't you so thankful for restoration? Aren't you so thankful that God comes to us and says, listen, I know that you love me, and I know, but you need to know that I love you too. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You see, God reminds us of this glorious restoration. Honestly, Peter was a natural leader. And if you look here in verse number 3 of John 21, he says, Simon Peter saith unto them, I go fishing. They saith unto him, We also go with thee. You see, when, when they saw Peter, they saw a guy that they wanted to follow. And so, so the other disciples said, hey, if you're going fishing, we're going to go too. Maybe James and John, maybe some of the other disciples were there. And they said, listen, we want to go with you if you're going fishing. That's what they were used to. Maybe it was Andrew, his brother. And they all gathered there. And, and instead, of, uh, instead of just being patient and waiting on the Lord, they, they got out there and they jumped ahead of him. And they went back to fishing. Listen, it was Peter's prize pride that got in his way. It was Peter's pride that caused him even previously in, in his ministry with Christ to try to correct Jesus. Look at Matthew chapter 16 and verses 22 and 23 because pride gets in the way of our, of our ability to follow Christ. And he says this, Matthew 16, 22, then Peter took him and began to rebuke him. He's talking about Jesus and saying, be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be done unto thee. And Christ, but he turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense unto me, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of man. And we see here that Christ rebukes Peter in this moment because Peter allowed his pride, his boastfulness, his arrogance to get in the way. Then there was another moment, even more infamous, is when he denied Christ. Look in Matthew chapter 26 with me in verses 35 and then we're going to look in verse 74 and Peter and here he's just following the, the, uh, the Lord's Supper and we see here that he said, though I should die with thee, yet will I not deny thee. Likewise also said all the disciples. Peter boldly and brashly said, listen, I, I, will, I will stick with you closer uh, even through death. And then in verse number 74, we see in Matthew chapter 26 and 74, it says the results are really of what happened after they came and took Jesus. Then he began to curse and to swear, saying, I know not the man. And immediately the cock crew. We remember these moments. We remember the brashness of Peter's life. We remember these moments, these tragedies, if you will, and they revealed that inner character of the man before Jesus and before he really humbled himself. And we see that his boldness, his pride, it caused him in shame to say, I go fishing. You know, oftentimes when we feel that we've disappointed the Lord, we have a tendency to do what Peter has done here. Oftentimes we know, we feel that, man, I, I just, I have disappointed God so much and my life could never live up to the standard that he wants, so why even try? And maybe that's where Peter was at this moment. But I remind you that God wasn't done with Peter just because he'd made a mistake. God wasn't done with Peter just because he had failed. And we see instead that these tra that, that in this moment that, that God used these tragedies in his life to bring humility so that he could be used greater of, of God. It was here, in this moment, following the display of, of, of Christ's 
uh, power uh, on the seashore in John 21 that Peter was ready to really listen to God. As they gathered around that campfire, I want you to picture with me the boats were up, maybe pulled up on the shore. Some of the disciples were laughing, enjoying. They had just caught a, a slew of fish, and, and, and another gospel records 153 fish. And, 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 and so as they were gutting and cleaning and preparing, and we see that maybe they're cleaning the nets over the side, and here's Peter and Jesus there together at the fire. They had just finished their supper, and it's here that as they were sitting there, I can imagine Peter just in humility, in shame, as he spends time with the Savior. And as Christ looks at him and begins to talk, maybe Peter was so shameful he wouldn't even look Christ in the face, and he just kept his eyes down. But maybe he noticed with his eyes down the scars in the hands of the Savior. Maybe he noticed with his eyes downcast the scars in the feet of his Lord. And Christ asked him this question, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? Wow. Consider the power of that question. Consider this coming from the Christ, the one Peter had said he would de never deny, but yet here he, he was on the heels of his great denial. Perhaps he was seeing, again, those scars in his hands. Listen, this was his friend. He had promised to stick closer. He was, the, he was one of the closest in the inner circle. He saw him transfigured before he and James and John. This was, this was one that, that he, he thought he would be with forever. And now Christ asks him, do you love me? One theologian suggested that the reason that Christ asked this question three times was that Simon denied Christ three times. And now he makes him affirm his devotion three times. Now that may be part of it, but I think there's a greater meaning here and a greater thing that we can learn from this situation. You see, because when Christ asked Peter the question three times, it may have looked like re repetition. And, and on the surface it does, but it is not. There's similarity in the questions, but they're, they're not identical. The first one he asks is this in verse number 15. Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? Now I want to point at something really, really quick. When Simon first met Jesus Christ, he said, Thou art called, let me, as a matter of fact, let me uh, just mention that, that scripture. Uh, he says, Thou art Simon, son of Jonas, thou shalt be called Cephas. That was what Jesus said to, to Simon when he, when, when he first met him. And so from there on, his name went from, uh, went from uh, Simon to Peter. He was called Petros in the Greek, and it means rock man. And so for the, for the majority of the time after that, Peter was always known as Peter, not Simon anymore. But in this moment, Christ calls him back to that place before he met Jesus and says, Simon, before you ever met me, you tried to do this on your own. Before you ever met me, you were uh, attempting to do things in your own power and ability. And then when you met me, I introduced you to Peter. I introduced you to me, who is the rock that is higher than Peter. And now he comes to this point and he asks this. He says, lovest thou me more than these? This incredible question here, because I want you to know that in the Greek, there are a couple of words that are used in our Bible. There's three Greek words for the word love. Uh, eros, which we don't see in the Bible. Then there's phileo, and then there is uh, 
there's agape, agape. And these three words are words that are used to describe the word love. The first one, uh, eros, is oftentimes referred to the love between a husband and a wife, or an erotic love. It is oftentimes used in Greek mythology, referring to what we would call Cupid today. And so we don't see that in the Bible, just in other Greek literature. But there's another word uh, that we see in the the pages of Scripture, and that's phileo. And this word uh, literally means an affection. It means a friendship. It's where the word we, we, uh, it's from, it's, uh, the word we get the English word uh, Philadelphia or philanthropic, these are words that we get from the word phileo. And so there's another word that Christ is using here that's a, a greater word. It's uh, uh, agape, and it's the highest and noblest word uh, for love. In Vincent's word studies, he calls it a word of dignity. It's a divine word. It's a word that is used to speak of the love of God. And the Lord Jesus Christ, in his own uh, language, says this. He passed over the other two forms that he could have used of love, and he just says this. Do you agape? Do you love me like I love you? Obviously, he was asking him, do you love me with all your heart? If we look at our greatest purpose, the greatest purpose of man is to love God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. And we, we see that played out in, in Christ's life. And, but what we, the real, real, realization is, is many of us will profess, just like Peter professed, I really genuinely love God. But the reality is, is do we love God uh, just like God loves us? That's what Christ was asking. You know, it's, it's wonderful to have the right kind of doctrine. It's wonderful to right, have the right kind of um, uh, uh, belief regarding Scripture. But let me say that we, that we also must have the right kind of love. And we see in 1 Corinthians 13, 13, Now abideth faith, hope, and charity. Charity is that word agape. He says, three, three, these three, but the greatest, uh, greatest of these is charity. God says the greatest of these is this agape love. God says the, the greatest thing is to really to love. And so Simon Peter literally failed the Lord in not being willing to say, I agape love you. Actually, the reality is, is that God loved Peter even when he didn't love him. John fifteen thirteen says, Greater love hath no man than this, and a man lay down his life for his friends. Even while Peter was denying the Lord, Christ was, being, was on his way to the cross to die for him. That's the kind of love that Christ is talking about. When he said, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? Christ was saying, do you love me like I have loved you? Peter later wrote in his epistle in 1 Peter 2.24, who his own self bare our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sin, should live unto righteousness by whose stripes ye were healed. He was saying, listen, do you love me? That's what Christ did for you and me. Christ loved you and me more than we could have ever imagined. Christ was willing to love us in such an incredible, powerful way that that in this moment, he says, listen, I love you. Do you love me back? But then in this first question, Christ adds these words, more than these. He says, do you love me, Peter, more than these? What's he talking about? If, I want you to just think back to that seashore. And I want you to think back even, not just the seashore, but I want you to think back what, what Peter had boasted. If you look at Mark chapter 14 and verse 29, you will see that Peter said unto him, Although all shall be offended, yet will not I. 
He said, look, even though all the other disciples are going to be offended, I will never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I will be here, Jesus. But that wasn't the reality. He denied him. And so Peter, looking at him and says, Peter, can you honestly say that you love me more than all these other disciples? Can you honestly, Peter, really still say that you love me more than these other guys over here? Just like you boasted before, can you still make the same boast now? Peter boldly proclaimed in his own power before. He said, I will never deny you. But now, Peter couldn't answer the same way. Matter of fact, the English says, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. But in, if, if you look at the Greek word that he used here, it's not agape love. He says, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I phileo. Thou knowest that I have affection for you. Now, you know that I love you as a friend. Wow. Not the same level. When he did a self-examination, he was able to say, God, you know that I love you, but the reality is it's not the same level that you love me. This man was done boasting. He was done trying to say, look what I can do. I'm going to love you to the end. I'm going to love you beyond everybody else. I'm going to love you when everybody else fails you. Now he simply says, Christ, you know that I love you and have a deep affection for you. That's the reality of this situation. Is that God has taken him and through these tragic situations, and his pride has been removed, and Peter has humbled himself and said, Lord, I'll be honest. Finally, for once, I'm going to be honest with you and just tell you I love you. I have a deep affection for you, but it's not quite the same as what you have for me. Then if you sit there with it on that seashore, and he says, lovest thou me more than these? He's saying, do you still love me more than everyone else here? Do you still love me, Peter, more than the things, more than the fishing more than the things that are to bring you security, finances, and money. Do you love me beyond these? That's a deep question for us to today consider ourselves. Do you love me? Jesus is asking you today, right where you're at, do you love me? Do you agape love me? He said, and, and I love what Jesus says. He's so, he's so plain in his language. He says, uh, you're my friends if you do whatsoever command you. If you genuinely love God, he says, then it's going to show. In verse 16, we come to this place where Christ said unto him again, the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Now notice that the second question is different from the first because he doesn't say, do you love me more than these? Now he just said, lovest thou me? And it's the same verbiage as before. And so Christ perhaps is offering Peter an opportunity. Maybe you can't boast that you love me more than the other disciples anymore, but do you just genuinely love me, Peter? Do you just genuinely love me above everything else in your life? Are you willing to say now that you're done with your boasting and you're, and, and you're done be, trying to say that, listen, I'll love you more than anybody else, but, but are you willing to just say, listen, I love you more than anything else in my life? The reality is that Peter was a man who was broken. A man who had seen uh, the battered effects of his pride and he was no longer willing to say, I love you like you love me. Finally, in verse 17, he said unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Here we have Christ uses the same verbiage now that Peter was using. 
He didn't say, Simon, do you agape love me? What he said now was, Simon, do you genuinely have an affection for me? And this is really what aggrieved Peter's heart, was that he couldn't, he couldn't say, Lord, I love you with all of my heart and my soul and my mind. I love you above everything else. My love for you is supreme. What he had to say was, I just have a deep affection for you. And that's really what grieved him. It wasn't the fact that Christ had asked him three times. It wasn't the fact that, 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 uh, that uh, he had to answer three times. But the problem was is that the, he faced himself and he was grieved with the reality that he didn't measure up. His love for God wasn't what he had, what he had thought it was himself. And, and so as he comes to this place, he says, Lord, you know that I have an affection for you. Lord, you know that you know all things and you know that I love you. I don't love you the way that you want me to love, uh, love you, but I love you as much as I can right now. The awesome thing is, when we learn one all-important lesson from this, is that love for the Savior is a prerequisite for service. Do you love Him today? You see, we are called upon to love God. It's the greatest commandment. If we look at uh, in the scripture, we see that that it is what God's called us to do. We don't really sometimes really understand even what this means. What does it mean to love God with all of our heart, our soul, our mind? You see, we want to be able to say, God, I agape love you. But many times people say, I love you like I love my children. I love you like I love my dog. I love you like I love sports. I have a deep-seated affection for you. But it's not where it needs to be. And here's... Here's the awesome thing that God did. He said, when God looked at Peter, He didn't look at him and say, you're a failure, I could never use you. But He looked at his life and He said, now you're finally ready to be used. When you come to the end of self and you come to the end of your pride and you can, you can look down and, and God can see that you're really willing to be humble before Him, that's when God says, now, now is the time to be used. Christ stated this, If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. It doesn't say that, Christ is not saying you have to hate people. What he's saying is, do you love me above everything else in your life? That's the question that we have to answer today. You see, the greatest purpose we have for living is not to live for self, for sports, for family, or any of these things. These are all good, maybe even noble, but the greatest purpose we have for living is to love the Lord our God. Do you love him? You see, because this purpose is also a call for passion. Because when you love God like this, it becomes you become passionate for it. And we see that throughout this discourse, Christ is working to remind Peter of his call. And, and I purposely omitted part of each of these verses because I want to address them now. Because as Peter answered, and well, Peter, Jesus asked and Peter answered, there was also a reminder of the call. In the first time, in verse number 15, he says, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. And he said unto him, Feed my lambs. 
this is an important thing. You see, because Christ is telling him, listen, I know you're not where you want to be. I know you're not where, where, where you even think you need to be. And I know you're not there yet. He said, but continue to feed my lambs. Continue to serve. Continue to put your heart and invest your passion into uh, your service of me. And so this is what he says. When we look at this, each of these are a little bit different as well. Feed my lambs. This word uh, lambs is in the diminutive. And it reminds us that Jesus is saying, feed my little baby sheep. Take care of these brand new ones that are coming into the flock. Listen, in just a few short days, what would seem like an eternity, I'm sure, to people who are waiting. In in just a few days, uh, they would see 3,000 brand new believers added in the church. These are brand new little baby sheep. And he says, listen, I want you to feed my lambs. I want you to take care of these. And and let me say that in Christianity, God has called us to feed these baby ones, to take care of, to nourish, to be able to give them the milk of the Word so that later they can grow thereby. And so I want to just invite you that God has called us to continue to feed. And I'm so thankful for the discipleship ministry. I'm thankful that God has called us to continue to feed the lambs, the little ones who have just come into the fold and just need to be taught and nurtured. And I invite you to be part of something that exciting where you can be able to be fed. But listen, that means that when people first get saved, sometimes they they don't need to be criticized by their their dress or lack thereof. What we need to look for is opportunities to teach them God's Word. But we see, secondly, that God tells him, guide my sheep. Now, this is different. A lamb and a sheep are different. And and he says in verse number 16, feed my sheep. And the same thing in verse number 17 at the very end, feed my sheep. And these two are also different. The first feed has this idea and connotation uh, of being able to shepherd or to guide. Brother Brian, would you bring me that staff? And I want to just remind you that as he uses the the illustration of a shepherd that I wanted to bring the shepherd's crook with me today. Now, that shepherd's crook is an important uh, tool for a shepherd because as he guides the sheep, oftentimes he could use the the end of the staff to just kind of tap along and to guide them in a direction. Sometimes they could even take them and hook them and pull them more forcefully into the flock. And he was saying, listen, there's going to be times where as the shepherd of the flock that you're feeding the sheep, but you got to guide the sheep and you got to tap them back into place. You know, even Psalms 23 reminds us that the shepherd, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. These are not always tools that were used uh, in a way that was very comforting, but sometimes they were used in in a way that seemed harsh. And he said, listen, I want you to guide. I want you to lead. I want you to direct. I want you to, to help steer them in the right path. And as we consider this, I want you to just, just to re- be reminded that he's saying, listen, guide these sheep, feed the lambs, guide the sheep. But also, the last one, he says, feed my sheep. We've got two feeds and some guidance in there. And we see the importance that God is telling Peter, listen, as we approach this, and as you look at your ministry, you've got to have a passion for my word. You've got to be able to to share my word with others and to continue to strengthen and build them up. And I'm so thankful that for the leadership of the Spirit in Peter's life, where he later wrote his epistles and left us with some tremendous uh, uh, truths for us to glean today. Listen, this is probably one of my favorite portions of Scripture. And if we, if we go on through the last two verses here, there's one last thing I want to point out. Peter had denied Jesus. He says, I will go with you unto death, but then he denied him. But the end of Peter's life, <laughs> what a testimony. 
Maybe you in your life have denied Christ. Maybe you in your life have taken time and you've, you've said, you know what, I, I have forsaken Him. Maybe you have run for Him. Maybe right now you feel like a prodigal son and you've run away from Him. Let me remind you of verse number 18. He says, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, when thou wast young, thou girdest thyself, thou walkest whither thou wouldest. He said, you did your own thing, but now when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thine hands and another shall gird thee. The, the, the history of Peter, as we look at Christian history, marks that Peter was crucified upside down on a cross. He truly gave his life. He had an opportunity to, to do what he said he would do. Listen, your life may be like the prodigal. You may know the truth, but you've been running from the truth. And today is your opportunity. Today is the, the, the time where God says, listen, you have an opportunity to be like Peter. Do you love me more than these? Do you, do you genuinely love me? Do you agape love me? Maybe you could all, all you've been able to say is, you've, the Lord has been one of my, the affections of my life. But now He comes and He says, will you? Will you truly love me? Matthew chapter 22 and verse 37 says, Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. Do you love him today? There is no greater call in this life than to be able to say, God, I love you. I love you more than anything else. God, I love you with all of my heart, my passion, my being. Lord, there is nothing that is even equal to you, not my children or my wife or any of those things. God, you are supreme in my life above everything else. Peter's life up to this moment, up to uh, the filling of the Spirit in Acts chapter 1, up to all of these things, we see that Peter's life was not agape love. He had a deep-seated affection. But as God grew him and God gave him another chance, Peter's life showed that kind of devotion. As he was crucified, we see that Peter truly gave his life for the one he loved. I ask you today, do you love God? Maybe you've been running for a while and maybe, maybe this is, there's been times where you have tried to stray away from the Lord. And today, this is the opportunity God gives you to be able to come back to Him. Christian, don't wait. Maybe right there, you see yourself at the fireside with Peter. And as you bow with, and you're, and you're with humility, you hear the words of Christ echoing and pounding in your chest saying, do you love me more than these? And you hear your reply, Lord, up until now I've just had an affection for you. But God, I want to love you. I want to put you first today. Christian, maybe this is you. Maybe you, you know that you're saved. You know you're on the way to heaven. But the reality is that up until now, you've just been able to say, God, I just have an affection for you. I don't really love you. Today, I remind you of the power of redemption. God says, let me redeem you. Let me show you what I can do in a life. The example of Peter, the example is also made available for you. Would you say, God, I'm ready. 
maybe today you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ, here's the invitation for you. Jesus says in Revelation chapter 3 and verse 20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and if any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and will sup with him and he with me. Here's the promise of God today, that if you ask him to save you, you will be saved. You see, this is your opportunity. Would you right now confess that you're a sinner? Would you profess that Jesus is the only way to heaven? You see, He's not just a way. This world says Jesus is good. He's just one of the ways. But the Bible says, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the life, truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. It is only through Jesus. Titus 3.5 reminds us not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy hath He saved us. And we see here today that God offers for you uh, true salvation. Romans 10.13. I love to share this verse because it's a wonderful promise from God. God says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Do you want to be saved today? God offers this for you. I wish we had a, an in-life service where you could come and you could we could have someone pray with you right here in person. But but the reality is you can be you can be saved right where you're at at home today. This is how you do it. You have to believe. The Bible says in Romans 10:14, He says, "But who shall they call? And how shall they call on Him in whom they have not believed?" You must believe. Believe what? Not just that believe, have some sort of faith, but you must believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, the only Son of God. He is God eternal, past, present, future, has always been, always will be. He came to this earth, He died on the cross, and He resurrected to bring you forgiveness of your sins. And if you but ask Him today to forgive you of your sins, He will save you. Maybe you want to pray right now. There's a simple, it's not complicated, there is no magic formula Something simple like, Father, I've confessed my sinfulness before you. I believe that Jesus died and rose again to bring me forgiveness of my sins. And I call on you, asking you for forgiveness of sin. And by faith, I confess that you are Lord of my life. Would you save me from my sins today? The Bible says that those who pray, confess, and and, uh, confessing their sin and have faith will be saved. If you've trusted in Christ today, I want to invite you to, to reach out to us. Would you text us? Text me. 417-815-4686. If you'll do that today, if you'll just text me, I'll make a personal phone call when we get off of uh, off uh, the, the live stream here. And I'll just say, man, and just pray with you and just rejoice with what God has done in your life. Maybe today God is renewing your life and God is renewing your love for Him. May that be a glorious thing you want to celebrate. Maybe you want to just testify there on the comments. Or maybe you just want to uh, text in. Maybe you need some guidance. Man, let me just remind you that we're here. You can call 865-7286. Someone will answer the phone. Maybe you just have a special burden of need. Let us know. Let us know how we can be a help to you. Jesus is tenderly calling because He loves you. Are you willing to love Him today?